Okay, and welcome back to Dynasty Kings. We are on episode 11. We are officially in our tweens. It only gets better from here. Uh, And we're going to continue the new series that we started. Uh, And, you know, we're going to jump into it. We are now going to talk about the New York Giants. I'm Luke. Your other host is Kyle. And today we are going to just completely tear down the Giants. We're going to talk about parts we love. We're going to talk about parts we hate. And I think it's important to know that I I want to make this clear that I do like the Giants going into next season more than I like the Redskins. I think the Redskins have a couple pieces, but I do think the Giants have made some good choices, have brought in some good talent, and are starting to form what looks like a core in both their offense and their defense made up of veterans and young players. Yeah. I like what the Giants are doing right now. Actually, I'm surprised that I'm saying that. Um, And when we start this, um, when we start this, uh, we decided that with the team breakdowns, we wanted to do it in order of how we saw the team's potential. So obviously we saw Redskins as the lowest in the NFC East and then the Giants. We're not going to tell you who we're doing next because I think it's a toss-up in that division right now. Uh, But yeah, we just want to make that clear that this is the team with the third best potential in the division. Not that that's saying a lot though. (laughs) Yeah, this division is Easily the weakest in football. Yeah, no, for sure. So I'll get us started, I guess. And I'm going to use an obvious one to start off, but I think he had a little bit of a... A little bit of a letdown of a year last year, to say the least, just because of injuries and stuff. And my first choice is Saquon Barkley. I think there's no doubt that if you drafted Barkley last year and you were a competitor, or if you did it in like redraft or something like that, you were pretty upset with the season that you got for a guy mm-hmm. you probably took in the top five. And that's that, you know, that's all right. That happens, man. He wasn't healthy for a lot of the season and he had to get more healthy. I mean, there's nothing you could do about that, right? I mean, I guess there's some concern. Uh, is he going to stay healthy? I know he took longer to get going this season than he normally does, but that's not the important part. This is a no brainer pick, obviously. Um, and honestly, don't sell Barkley right now because you probably wouldn't even get what he's worth right now if you did sell him. I think he's got the potential to have a CMC-like year. I think he's going to be the number one running back this season. I don't know what Luke's take on that is, but that's my opinion uh, because he wants to get paid next offseason. And look at the correlation between how good of a year running backs have when they need to get paid. Yeah, I do like Barkley. I I do think it's a toss-up between him and CMC. Because I do feel like Chris McCaffrey has only gotten better every single year. And not only that, he just does not miss games, knock on wood. So I think it's very important to note that uh, CMC is a tad bit older. I think he's a year older than Barkley, maybe two. I do think that McCaffrey offers as a better receiving threat. But I do think Barkley is a potentially better runner, but I think it's all going to play on who stays on the field. I don't think you can go wrong with either. Or honestly, if you have the first pick in your draft, you're probably going to be needing a couple hours to figure out who it's going to be. I agree with Kyle. I think he's a lock at RB one and he could finish as the number one running back in 2020, but I wouldn't get your hopes up because I do think Christian McCaffrey 
will still go ape shit again. See, this is my thing, and uh, this is nothing against Christian McCaffrey. I still think he's going to be a top five running back for the next five seasons at minimum. But new system, new quarterback. Like I get it. Like Teddy Bridgewater is basically uh, Mister Checkdown, so it should help him. But with the new system there, I just I don't know. I think there's going to be some. Um, resistance um, on the part of C- Christian McCaffrey, just especially because he just had that big year too. It just feels like Barkley's season, but either way, I don't think you're going to be upset. That's all, that's all the moral of the story is. Yeah, I think Barkley is basically the engine of the offense. Yes. I kind of look at Barkley as what Dickerson was to the Rams back in the day. I actually like that where, comparison a lot. Very similar yeah, body structures. Yeah, so Dickerson was the engine that ran the Rams offense. And I do think that is what Barkley will be for this offense. And that gets it's a good segue into what I want to talk about, who I love, and that's Daniel Jones. Uh, you know, he surprisingly became a starter last year, earlier than I don't think anybody expected, after Eli Manning lost his starting job at the beginning of the season. He showed promise and potential in his first couple games. And he, at times, he looked like a real top 10 pick last year after, I think, being the biggest shock in the draft in the last like decade. Uh, he still had over 3,000 yards and a positive TD to interception ratio, even with some shaky starts and an injured Barkley. You know, he did have 24 TDs to 12 interceptions. Uh, I do know that he does have a problem with fumbles. He had 18 fumbles last year and lost 11 of them as he had issues keeping his composure and his head on when there was pressure coming to him in the pocket. I think he looks to start the season as a QB three, but as the decided face of the franchise, he should be a QB two in fantasy by season's end. But I do think that's conditional on Barkley staying healthy and productive on the field. Yeah. I think that's a good point about Barkley because I think Jones had to throw a lot more this season than expected because Barkley was, you know, not at full a hundred percent. I know he only technically, I think missed three games, but you could tell he wasn't a hundred percent for a handful of them. I don't think we saw the real Barkley till the end of the season where he was just retarded the last four games. Oh my God, I did it again, whatever, <laughs> but you know what I mean? I, I'm saying it in a good way this time, but I, you know what? Danny dives is such a funny story though. Danny dives, Daniel Jones, whatever you want to call him, man. Like I didn't believe in this guy. I think most of the giants fans around here didn't believe in the guy. And he kind of said, you know, F you and, you know, showed that he's got a lot of spunk in his system. I definitely liked the guy a lot more. Um, And the way that uh, Dwayne's first year turned out in Washington, um, the Giants actually don't look stupid on this pick a year later. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think last year had a lot of strong QBs. Yeah. Um, Besides Kyler Murray, uh, I don't think you could. I think it was a huge toss up between Daniel Jones uh, Drew Locke, Dwayne Haskins, and I guess you could throw Gardner Minshew into there. Eh, he wasn't really on the radar like the other three. Yeah, so let's – okay, we'll focus on the other three. I think Daniel Jones, Dwayne Haskins, and Drew Locke all could have been drafted anywhere from a top-five pick to a uh, end-of-the-second rounder, I think, between the three of those guys. Besides Kyler, there was absolutely no guarantee on any of these guys being successful, and I do think between the three of them, even though Locke has the better roster going into next year, I do think Daniel Jones showed 
the most promise between the three of them. Yeah, I would probably agree with that. I think Locke showed he's a winner, which I'm pretty excited about more than anything else. But either way, it's an interesting class. Um, it will turn out to be a good one if Dwayne can get his act together um, because then you'll have four, potentially five franchise quarterbacks. And I just saw a video on Minshew actually where he looked about 30 pounds heavier and was rocketing the arm. So uh, who knows, man? Maybe, maybe Minshew is the answer. I know a lot of people are doubting him, but we want to focus on the Giants here. So I'll just move us right on. Uh, this is actually our only player on the love list on the defensive side of the ball who makes it, and that's Dexter Lawrence. Um, there's no doubt that the first round Dexter Lawrence didn't live up to expectations by like, I think a lot of fan standards, but I think a lot of people don't realize how good of a season he actually had. Um, he didn't have a bad season by any stretch of the words, uh, the world. Um, but, and he definitely flashed huge potential at times. Um, he had some, you know, major inconsistencies, but I think that's to be expected with a rookie. Um, he finished as the ninth best rookie from pro football focus, which is pretty insane. And he was the number one out of the interior defensive linemen from Pro Football Focus as well for that 2019 draft. And then that's considering guys like Quinton Williams and Ed Oliver went before him, um, who now both have off-field issues to boot. So I think that Lawrence was a sneaky good pick by the Giants in the first round last season. I think he enters as probably the most valuable piece of this team's defense. If he could take another step forward, I think this unit will follow suit. He probably enters as a low-end D-tackle three if you're in IDP leagues, but he's probably got D-tackle two upside. Yeah, it is scary to think that he was a absolute steal. Yeah, he was. In the draft. And I think what's more impressive is they are sneakily putting together one of the best defensive lines in the league. You know, the Giants primarily run a base 3-4 scheme, so they only really have three defensive linemen on the field at a time. But then you're running Dexter Lawrence, who showed that he had great potential. You have Dalvin Tomlinson, who is arguably one of the best run stuffers in the league. And then you have Leonard Williams, who hopefully will have a bounce back campaign. Because I really do think that Leonard Williams could be something special. And I think between the Dexter Lawrence being the focal point of that defensive line, I think there's only good news, and I would be drafting him because you can still get him dirt cheap in most of your drafts. Yeah, for sure. I just think a lot of people thought he didn't have a good year because of his – he didn't have flashy numbers, and you know what? He might not be that guy. I know they classified him as like a DN slash D-tackle hybrid, but if he's in an IDP league and he's still classified as a defensive tackle, this could be a huge steal for you this season. Yep, yep. And as we're talking about steals, we're going to talk about our last guy on our love list. And this guy is somebody who I've talked about enough already, but I'm going to mention him again because we are talking Giants. And that's Caden Smith. I have talked about this guy so many times, but I really do believe he is the future of this team at the tight end position. He's only 22, coming off a rookie season that saw him go lights out out when Evan Ingram got injured again last season. With rumors of the Giants wanting to shop around Ingram, the Giants don't really have to go that far to find his replacement. He's a low-end tight end three right now, but he is my favorite sleeper at the tight end position. And super hot take right here. If Ingram gets hurt or traded, I believe Caden Smith will be a top 10 talent 
by the end of the year at the tight end position. Ooh, that's a heavy take. Yeah, I like Smith, but I don't know if I'm prepared to say top 10 talent at the position. <laughs> I think he definitely flashed a lot of potential last season. And I'm in the same boat as you. I think Ingram is out the door. So it's really a matter of if Smith can take advantage of the opportunity that's in front of him, because I think it's definitely going to be there. Yeah, I think I think his opportunity is coming, and I think that he will capitalize on it. I mean, in six games, he had third in starting six games, he had 31 receptions for 268 yards and three TDs. And in two of those games, he just popped off. I think Daniel Jones really likes his tight ends. I just think the Giants' offense is set up to be a tight end happy offense. And I do think that Caden Smith just has everything to gain and nothing to lose by being named the starter. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. All right, so we just talked about things we love for the Giants. Don't get used to that. When we come back, we are now going to crap on the Giants. So make sure you stick around. Okay, and we are back to crap on the Giants. This is my favorite single freaking episode. Uh, I'm going to get us started. And I'm going to talk about one of my boys. That's Golden Tate. When the Seahawks brought him in in 2010, I loved Golden Tate. I was super high on the guy. When he helped us win the Super Bowl, I loved him. He really looked like he was going to take the next step for us in 2013. And then he was gone in 2014, went to Detroit, and he became the player I knew he could become, which was just like a lethal deep threat machine. And from 2014 to 2018, he was basically that for the uh, for the Lions until they traded him to Philly. I think at 32, Tate is now ridiculously old in football terms. He, I don't think Tate is a Julio Jones or like Julian Edelman who get better with age. I don't think that's Golden Tate. After serving a suspension at the beginning of the season. Tate just never really got the opportunity to be that true lock wide receiver one for the team as Slayton became a super reliable target throughout the season. Tate still has value as a cheap pass-catching option, but his days of being a lock in your starting lineup are long gone with the younger options of Slayton and to a lesser extent Shepard on the same roster. I think he is a low-end wide receiver three, and I don't think he'll get much better than that. Uh, Yeah, it's a shame. Golden Tate used to be one of my favorite guys you could get late in the draft and get like a lot of bang out of your buck for him. So don't get distracted like that's still a thing anymore because I agree with Luke. I don't think it is. I think it's kind of all downhill from here for Golden Tate, unfortunately, Uh, especially because of the fact that I think that Slayton thrives in the slot. Um, and I just think there's a lot of mouths to feed for guys who could fit into that role specifically in the Giants offense. Um, you know, he had some injury issues last year. Oh, no, I'm sorry. He was suspended last year, which obviously, you know, put his numbers down. But even with that, I think a guy like Slayton is going to be the number one on that team. And the rest are going to see a little bit of regression for sure. Yeah, you kind of know a wide receiver is hitting his his 
climax on his career when he gets suspended for PEDs. Well, yeah, because he's trying like, to force himself to play longer. We saw the same thing with Julian Edelman. As I'm sure you were about to say that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I was even going to say he basically pulled a late 90s uh, wrestling NWO. <laughs> no, so, literally, because these guys are freaking out. I'm sure they've spent too much money, too, knowing a lot of these guys. And, you know, they have to extend their careers a couple more years than they probably should have needed to. Yeah, you know, I I always loved Tate. I thought he was incredible, both from a fantasy perspective and a real-life perspective. I think he's one of the main reasons the Seahawks won the Super Bowl in 2013. I think he's one of the main reasons why Matthew Stafford looked so pimp from 2014 to 2018. And I honestly thought he would be game-changing. Not Odell Beckham Jr. game-changing, but a really nice cheap option for the Giants to bring in for a young Daniel Jones to grow with and throw to. And that just never turned into the case. Yeah, it's a shame, but, you know, age is a bitch and Tate's on the wrong side of it. Uh, For this next guy, I actually was going to talk defensive side of the ball, but let's stick with the wide receivers over here because I think me and Luke both are not a fan of this wide receiver room outside of Slayton, and I want it to be known. I am not a fan of Sterling Shepard. Uh, like in no way a fan of Sterling Shepard. When OBJ left, I think Shepard looked primed to take like the most of his opportunity and run with it. Um, but he has seriously failed to live up to the hype of that. At the best, he's an overhyped slot receiver who's shown flashes of potential. At worst, he's the next uh, Nelson Aguilar. And what I mean by that is he's off the team in a couple of years once <laughs> well, once, once the team you know, wakes up. And, you know, he does have a similar catch ratio. No, I'm just kidding. It's not as bad as Aguilar. <laughs> no, I just meant more so, you know, he's going to be off the team soon. But either way, I mean, you yeah. know, I just – I'm not – I'm not a fan of Shepard. I never really liked his stock. I think a lot of people were too high on him too fast. And now I think he has a similar problem as a counterpart on his team, who we're going to talk about in a minute here. But injuries are catching up with Shepard. He had three concussions last year. He's had them in high school. He had them in college. Um, We've seen this before. Let's just say that, right? I mean, Brandon Cooks, Luke Keekley. do I have to say more? I mean, even just sticking with the Giants, the wide receiver, Victor Cruz. Yeah, exactly. I don't even have to switch teams. Victor Cruz. Like, <laughs> this, is, this, is a, this is a told story. The guy's never had 1,000 yards before. He's 27 now. I don't see it happening. Yeah, and it's unfortunate because in 2017, he only played 11 games, put up 731 yards. Yeah. Looked insane. In 2018, he played a full season and put up 872 yards. He looked like... In 2019, it was going to be his thir- first thousand yard receive re- uh, receiving yard season. Uh, he was never going to be a red zone threat. I think in 2016, when he put up eight TDs, that was a fluke. That was never the guy you were going to get with Shepard. But he really did look like in 2019, it was his year. And between the concussions, not staying on the field, not producing when on the field, it just was never going to work. And it sucks. I was super hopeful this guy would be incredible. I really thought he'd be good. I thought when OBJ left, my whole thinking was, oh, okay, you know what? They have Sterling Shepard who will take the next step. Golden Tate who's already there. You know what? They're going to be fine at wide receiver. They've got a couple years to figure it out. And unfortunately, man, like this guy just – I guess we'll say it's his head. It was his head. Everything about his head. Yeah. It sucks. I'm not a fan. But – 
Uh, say la vie. I guess let's keep with the injury bug theme. Let's just talk Evan Ingram. Uh, I feel like we've crapped on him thoroughly throughout this podcast. But let's continue. Why not? Talent is a thousand percent not the problem with Ingram. Getting that out there right now. He is one of the most talented tight ends in the league when on the field. Not just in the NFL, but in fantasy as well, which is huge. But the problem is, is keeping Ingram on the field. After an incredible rookie season where he posted 64 receptions for 722 yards and 6 TDs, and he played in 15 games, Ingram hasn't been able to start more than 8 games in the last 2 seasons with his with his stats declining in both years. In 2018, started eight games, only 577 yards and three TDs. In 2019, only started six games, 467 yards, three TDs. With trade rumors circulating and Caden Smith just nipping at his heels for more playing time, Ingram could be at risk at being moved on from if he doesn't prove he is worth the headache. Ingram obviously enters the season as a tight end one with a huge asterisk because of his health and it is not worth picking him up in the draft with younger and more productive productive options in the league. Uh, yeah, this one hurts. I know we kind of already gave Ingram a bad rap when we talked about tight ends, but it's important to note him here when we're talking about this section as well. Um, I much rather have a guy like Font or Hawk uh, Hutchinson, who have very similar ADPs right now than a guy like Evan Ingram. Um, it's just the injuries. I just don't see it ever happening. And it's, you know, it's evident that when he is healthy, he's a good player. Cause I mean, look, he only played eight games in 2018. He got 577 yards. You times that by two, that's a thousand yard season for a tight end, man. I mean, that's not a bad season by any stretch of the words, but I mean, he's never played a full season before. Like, what what were we expecting this guy to finally play one? Like, the people who are holding on hope for him, I just don't, I don't get it. Like, I really don't at this point. Yeah, it is long gone the days of Evan Ingram being the next Rob Gronkowski, Travis Kelsey. You know, it's past. Well, he definitely can't be Travis Kelsey because that dude never gets injured. Yeah, real, real. Knock on wood. (laughs) Yeah, thank God. Um, But... You know, it sucks because in 2017, it was probably one of the most hyped tight end classes in the last while with Evan Ingram, David Njoku, uh, OJ Howard, and George Kittle all coming out of that draft. And unfortunately, only George Kittle has proven that he can stay on the field, produce while he's on the field, and is a generational talent. Because honestly, I think any four of those guys could have been that. Yeah, I agree. But I think it's funny because I would argue that George Kittle was the the least favored of that class by most analysts and by most people I talk to, most people are much higher than the other three and Kittle ended up being the superstar of the bunch. So I think that just shows you uh, to not sleep on some of these later round rookies um, because you just never know. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, you can't sleep on anybody. I mean, you could talk about Brady being an, an example of that, but there's so many of them that happen every season that you take a swing at somebody and they become the next star. 
Yeah, I honestly think if we're keeping with that kind of trend and we're talking tight ends, I think Irv Smith is that guy going into next Oh, I, li- I like Irv Smith, Smith a lot too. I mean, we don't want to get too distracted here on the Giants episode, but Irv Smith is definitely somebody. If you could pick up right now, he's got a much uh, – he's got a, a tight end in front of him who's a lot less talented than he is. Let's just say that. Oh, easily, without argument. Yeah, so we're going to close uh, for the players that we hate on the probably the easiest on this bunch, but it's actually for a number of reasons. Like, I think uh, that this player would have made my list even without what happened to him last week happening, uh, and that's DeAndre Baker. Um, now, you know, I swear, I wasn't a fan of this guy before his incident last week with the Madden game and robbery, and I, I, we don't even know all the stories. That story has been twisted and turned so many times. It feels like I, I nobody knows the truth at this point. I'm pretty sure he's suing Quentin mm-hmm. Dunbar, and Dunbar's suing him. So it's a whole mess, because apparently Quentin Dunbar wasn't there. So I think he's suing him because Quentin told on the guy or something like that. But anyways, he had an extremely subpar rookie season. Um, and you know, if there wasn't the first round grade, I think attached him in last year's draft capital, I think the giants would have already cut their losses and moved on. I read a bunch of stuff on him last season and and even in this off season before this and giants players had described Baker multiple times as a handful on and off the field. He didn't study hard. He didn't know the playbook and apparently he was both immature and lazy. Um, just overall a really bad look for a young kid who's obviously a first round uh player and wasn't taken in the first round as a fluke he had that talent grade but uh if you don't have the work ethic for it you're not going to make it yeah you know what you know what's bad when you're going through a lot in life and your team says to you don't report to any meetings don't report to well yeah and that's that's a good point because ed oliver uh of the bills you know he had the dwai uh and they're still having him go to all the team meetings and stuff yeah, so you know what? I think DeAndre Baker could have been something, but that time has passed. He will be found guilty. I'll put money on it. And even if he, for some reason, isn't, he will never play in the NFL. Yeah, I think he's out of the league by this time next year at minimum. I mean, at maximum. I would not be surprised if the Giants cut him. If this headache continues, like, let's be honest. The only reason why he's still on the roster is the Giants took him in the first round last year, and people hate admitting their mistakes. It's the same reason why Trubisky's still on the Bears roster. Exactly. And it sucks, but you got to live with it sometimes. Well, right? you got to bite the bullet at some point, man. You can't just act like there isn't yeah. a problem there. Like, who the fuck are your corners this season? I know they have James Bradbury, who they overpaid for. Yeah, I don't think they have anybody actually after that because they let Janoris Jenkins went to the. Well, Saints. yeah, he was washed anyway, so that's not a bad loss. But either way, it's not a good situation. But they got good safeties. We know that. Yeah, no, they have incredible safeties. They'll do fine, I think, in the DB section, but who knows? All right, so when we come back, we're going to give our outlook for the Giants going into next year. So make sure you stick around. Okay, and we are back. We are now going to talk about the New York Giants' outlook, how we feel they're going to do going into the season and their their schedule. So, Kyle, why don't you get us started? 
Yeah, um, not as bad as the schedule as far as what the Redskins had to go through when we talked about them last. Um, doesn't mean, you know, their future is much brighter or anything like that. Uh, start off with Pittsburgh. That's probably going to be a loss. Then they get Chicago, who I think they might beat. San Fran, Los Angeles, and Dallas looks like one of their harder stretches for sure. That three-game span is not going to be easy for them. I could definitely see them losing all three. Uh, then they have Washington in week six. They'll probably win. Uh, then they have Philly and Tampa Bay, which look like probably both losses. They have Washington again. I think they'll probably split with Washington and Philly. Um, just my guess because of like conferences, I mean, because of the division. And, you know, divisional matchups, especially in the NFC East, are finicky. We've seen that in the past. Then they got Cincy, who they'll probably beat, in my opinion. And then Seattle, Arizona, Cleveland, and Baltimore, and Dallas. So, again, not a great closing stretch, just like the Redskins. I think they finish out 5-11. and 11. That's my guess. They beat the Bears, the Redskins, Eagles once, uh, Browns, and Bengals. That's an interesting um, look at it. Their schedule definitely doesn't have the huge rough patch that the Redskins got. Yeah. They got screwed. Um, And they actually have a couple primetime games. Yeah, which I'm kind of shocked about. But I guess that's New York for you. I'm sure they still pull a good crowd even when they suck. Exactly. Um, You know what? I don't think your 5-11 record is terrible. I actually think they're going to go seven and nine. I think they get closer than what people expect. I think they win against the Bears. I think they beat the Skins both times. I think they split a game with the Eagles. I think they beat the Browns. I think they beat the Bengals. And I think they beat the Cardinals. Ah. I still think going into next year, they're going to have a mid first round pick. And I would not be surprised if they use it on a wide receiver, an offensive lineman, or an edge rusher in the draft. Yeah, I think they try to address the line this year, so they'll probably see how it goes. In my opinion, next year, they're going to take a wide receiver in the first round. That class is loaded to the brim with talent at wide receiver. I'd love to see a guy like Chase end up there. Like There is so much talent at the wide opposition uh, for next season. I think they could definitely land somebody because as much as I love Slayton, I'm not sure he is a clear wide receiver one. I more so see him as a deep threat wide receiver two almost like a Mike Williams, only not injured all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Fair point. Yeah. Like Mike Williams is good, but injuries and Rivers being uh, Phillip Rivers have really taken away that guy from becoming a top wide receiver in the league. Yeah, I still think he has the potential. I think it's going to be interesting to see um, what Tyrod and Justin Herbert really do because I think they play similar games between the two of them. So it'll be interesting to see if Mike Williams gets less deep throws than he did last year to kind of compensate for the lack of arm power. Because don't get me wrong, even though Rivers' decision-making was questionable at times last year, his arm is by far better than what Herbert and what uh, – Tyrod Taylor are packing. Eh, I don't know about Herbert, but definitely Tyrod. Let's focus on the Giants, though. This is <laughs> us, man. We get too easily distracted once we talk about something. <laughs> Where, where's my Adderall? Where's my Adderall? <laughs> Wait, bird, dog. <laughs> you know, it's not a bad thing. It's just, you know, the Giants, it's, a, it's just going to be an interesting season, to say the least. As I said about uh, what I said about the Redskins, I, I mentioned how the whole season is going to fall on Dwayne's shoulders, and I think the same can be true true for Danny Dimes only I think 
He's got a little leeway with it because if Saquon's healthy, that's going to help him a lot. But don't kid yourself if Danny Dimes has 18 fumbles again and, you know, 12 interceptions on the bat of, uh, you know, because even though he went positive with the touchdown interception ratio, he was technically negative if you include his fumbles. So if he has another season like that, um, I think that will be very detrimental to his growth and the Giants overall in general. But if he could take the next step forward and more than anything else, minimize his mistakes, who knows? I could see them getting seven wins. It wouldn't shock me. Yeah, I do think I agree with you pressure on Danny Dimes to produce and I do think Slayton could pop off next year I think I don't think uh that that's in question at all I think Slayton definitely pops off at some point um I have some bold predictions I want to put out there so my bold predictions for the Giants going into next season are the Giants move on from Ingram at the end of the season after another injury plagued year and the emergence of Caden Smith I think Danny Dimes throws for 3,500-plus yards and has 30-plus TDs to less than or equal to 10 interceptions. I think Ryan Connolly and Blake Martinez become the face of the defense and help to establish a very solid front seven. And I think the Giants compete for a playoff spot in one of the weakest divisions with the Cowboys and the Eagles, which literally came down to a single drive last year. Yeah, I don't know about competing for a playoff spot, but with that division right now, I guess you never know. Uh, As far as my bold predictions go, I agree with you. I think Evan Ingram will miss time again, and I think he will be out. I think Caden goes north of 505 touchdowns this year, which would be a very good step in the right direction for a tight end by all means. I think Slayton clears 1K and 10 touchdowns. Kid's already a touchdown machine, so the 10 touchdowns is not a stretch, I think, at all. I'm pretty sure he had eight his rookie season. Um, It's just more so getting those yards up, which I think he'll do because I think he's going to get even more passes thrown his way. Uh, To keep with the theme of, you know, me talking about Dexter Lawrence before, I think the kid is going to take another step forward. I think he's going to rack up either 10 sacks or close to 10 sacks. Yeah, yeah. Hold on, hold on. Uh, or close to 10 sacks and 50 tackles. Um, Just my prediction. Who knows? We'll see what happens. I could be completely wrong. Um, And then I think Jabril has a career year um, and surpasses 100 tackles and gets about five interceptions. The Dexter Lawrence take, super huge. Super huge. Big if true, right? Is that what they say? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that is a a hot take. Yeah. That is a – sweaty fat guy hot take i think realistically he probably falls in the five to ten range as far as sacks but if he could if he hits 10 i i just i wouldn't be shocked i think he takes a huge step forward blake martinez is a nice distributor in the middle so it should allow dexter to get free a lot more often especially with one-on-ones because if you're running up the middle i think blake has to be your one of your biggest concerns now and we've already mentioned they got some good run stuffers on that team um, so if he plays a hybrid of the edge and D tackle, I don't know. I could see him having a really good season, man. Yeah, you know, I don't, I don't disagree. I think he'll have a great season. We'll see if he gets sacks. <laughs> um, I that is a very hot take. I do think the Jabril one is closer to accurate 
He's never been much of a ball hawk, so it'll be interesting to see if he does put up big interception numbers. But I do think, realistically, if he can stay healthy and isn't a locker room cancer, that easily 100 tackles is not out of the question. Yeah, because he should have done that last year, but he missed some time. Um, and if he didn't miss that time, he would have cleared 100 last year. So it shouldn't be a stretch. I think him and McKinney are going to be a really, really good safety duo for years to come. And I wouldn't be shocked if the Giants give Jabril the bag uh, next offseason. Obviously not the bag bag like Jamal Adams wants, but something reasonable and um, lock him down long term. Well, I mean, if we're talking about the uh... – we're talking about just New York teams right now. I hear Jamal Adams is his his price right now is a first and third round pick. Yeah. Which I don't think is too expensive. I think he's a better option to trade for than what Minka was. And Minka was only a first. I think Jamal Adams is a lot more productive. Yeah. I, I think if you, you're a team that's desperate, and I don't think the Giants fit this bill because, you know, with all their needs, safety is actually not one of them, funny, funny enough. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I mean, if a team's desperate, they can go out and get a guy like Jamal Adams. I don't think they're going to miss their first at least. And, you know, the third is a really hit or miss pick anyway, so what's the point? You could just kind of say that's like a flyer like you do in fantasy sometimes in trades when the guy's being a pain in the ass and you got to throw the one little guy <laughs> on. You're like, He's like, yeah, I want Sammy Watkins. You're like, okay, great. I don't really want him anyways. Like, you got me. <laughs> like, oh, God. <laughs> and you act like it's a big deal. You're like, all right, fine. I guess I can do that. <laughs> Fine, I guess I'll part with the f- former fourth overall pick, Sammy Yeah, Watkins. exactly. I guess I'll part with my fifth D tackle. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that's our outlook on how we feel the season's going to go. When we come back, we are going to bring on a Giants fan to discuss how he feels the Giants season looks and his perspectives on some of the players. So make sure you stick around for that. All right, guys. So we have a very special event going on right now. For the first time in Dynasty Kings history, we have two guests on at the same time. These are two high school friends of mine who actually introduced me to fantasy football, Dylan Fowler and Sean Brown. How are you guys doing today? Let's go, Ice. Good shit, dude. (laughs) Great to be here. Yeah, man. We're happy to have you guys on, man. Yeah, good, good, good to have you boys on. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad we got some Giants fans in the chat. It's going to be fun to crap on you guys. Uh, you know, I did take, uh, a, we go. did take a pregame crap before this, but I'm sure I've got some pent up for you guys. Uh, so let's just get started. We'll hop into the first question. So, um, you know, Daniel Jones, very polarizing quarterback, basically took over for Eli Manning let's and uh, did it early. So, I mean, how would you view Daniel Jones – before he was drafted compared to after his first season. Valley, you want to take this first? Uh, yeah, I'll go first. Uh, so, I mean, I, I had the same reaction as a lot of fans when he got drafted. I wasn't, I wasn't too happy with it. I think uh, the first uh, comments I made to people were that I didn't really see – I thought he would be like a max – his max ceiling was like a Chad Pennington type, or Ooh. he'd be like a you know a backup in the league. So I, just because we didn't know a lot about him, right? He he kind of flew up the the Giants board kind of kind of late the last couple few weeks before the draft. Um, so when they picked him, I didn't have a good feeling about it. But I think 
the one thing you look for in rookies and especially rookie quarterbacks is those flashes, right? Like those moments where they stand out. And that Tampa Bay game this year, week three, where he led them on that on that final game winning drive. Mm-hmm. And then just, you know, he had his ups and downs throughout the rest of the season, but he, sh- he showed tons of flashes. That Washington game in week 16, uh, I think he put up over 40 points that game. Uh, so, so to me, he showed that he can be a productive starter in this league. Um, and then those flashes kind of just kept building throughout the year. I think the one thing, obviously, that he needs to work on is the, the fumbling issue. Uh, I think, I mean, his his interceptions weren't that bad. He only had like 12 or 11, 12, 13 picks, something like that. But the fumbles were outrageous. Um, that's something he said he's been working on. I think that's an easier fix than if he had a huge interception problem. So I think if he cleans up the fumbles – the old line is better this year. So I think right now, I think we should have a good feeling as Giants fans about him. Yeah. Uh, Brown, what do you think of him? I agree with Fowler. Uh, I like Daniel Jones. I, I was kind of shocked when they picked him at six, but you know, if Gettleman liked the quarterback, you got to go with him. Um, and New York always has like a, like a, a crazy reaction to draft picks like Kristaps uh, Porzingis. And then he turned out to be great. But the reason why I respect uh, Daniel Jones is because he had like a lot of adversity at Duke. Like Duke is known as like a, like a basketball college. It's had, doesn't, has nothing to do with football. And that's why I think he's going to be a lot better than Dwayne Haskins. Cause Dwayne Haskins had like a, like a track team as wide receivers at Ohio state. He had like, you know, offensive, offensive line was crazy. And, um, you know, I think he, in the NFL, he, sh- he did show a lot of good flashes. He just needs to like stop fumbling the ball, obviously. But, um, you know, I think he's going to progress in year two. And then also something to add to that, I think he has kind of like Eli did that perfect demeanor to be a quarterback in New York. You know, he's, he's not a guy that's going to be in the spot or, or anything. He's just going to work hard, go about his business quietly, kind of like, kind of like Eli did. Class act. His career. Yeah, yeah, I think that's what you guys need. It's important that you guys, uh, you bring up Dwayne Haskins in this situation as well, because we talked about him last episode. And it's funny you say that because we brought up the same thing. Dwayne had a very easy path um, to the NFL and really never had any adversity. I think that's why he struggled his first season. And Daniel Jones obviously showed flashes. Things like fumbles can be fixed for sure, especially at the quarterback position. Not as much at running back for sure, but definitely at quarterback. And if Daniel Jones can add some weight on top of his frame, I think there's a nice base um, in New York growing right now. What do you think, Luke? I think Daniel Jones can be something. Uh, I do like him going into next year. I do have a question for you guys, though. Redo. We go back to the 2018 or 2019 draft, and you can redo the pick. Are you taking Daniel Jones or are you taking Dwayne Haskins or Drew Locke with that pick? I mean, I'm, t- I'm taking Daniel Jones. I think it was the yeah. right. I mean, look, 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 I mean, this is a thing where we're one year into this, right? I think we, you got to look at it. I, I think by the end of like the third year, we'll really know a lot of like Dwayne Haskins, Tyler Murray, Daniel Jones, Drew Locke, who really is. Um, well, Kyler's the best that's right that's now for sure, but yeah, I get what your point. Yeah, I, think, yeah, yeah, I think still, once we get past that third year, yeah, no, for sure. What were you gonna say, Brown? I think it's still like too early to like figure out like whether we picked like we made the right pick or not. I do like Drew, Drew Lock a lot, but um, I'm sticking with Daniel Jones. I I think he's like uh, what Fowler was saying before his demeanor. He's he's just like he's like a perfect like like fit for like 
uh, New York, especially after Eli left. He was like a, a class act and whatnot. And uh, Daniel Jones should definitely fit in perfectly. This is my one comment on the Jones situation. Because of other people's draft boards, you probably could have gotten Daniel Jones in the second round and gotten a different player with that first pick. Does that skeeve you guys at all, or who cares? No, because I think especially with the quarterback, if 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 you if if, if he was their second quarterback or first quarterback on the board, and you know you want your guy, like like they had pick six and seventeen, people said they should have tried to wait till seventeen, but. When you know and you, and you think that you, you you the guy is there that you want to pick, you just got to take him at six, especially at the quarterback position. You can't let him slide and take the risk that someone else will will take him you know before seventeen or before the second round. No, I agree. I definitely see your point on that. Uh, moving on uh, from Daniel Jones, we're going to talk about another situation. Uh, this might be dicey for you guys, but let's be honest, he's had a rough road to say the least. Evan Ingram, um, will he finally stay healthy? Um, is he going to be gone at the end of the season? I know I heard some rumors that he might get traded. How do you guys feel about that? I know you're both fans of the guy. I like Ingram a lot. Um, yeah, he just needs to stay healthy, but he's he's a good tight end. He has like the same 40-yard dash as OBJ, so he's got, he's got speed. And uh, as long as he stays healthy, I'm rocking with uh, Evan Ingram. And, you know, he, I mean, he should – he is like built like a, a wide receiver, but, um, you know, I think he'll, he'll play a huge part. He was really good when when he was healthy. Like he, he was like Daniel Jones's favorite target. Yeah, I mean, I think I, to be honest, if you look at the whole whole receiving corps, I mean, he he is our number one threat. You look at him, Mary Slade, and Golden Tate, um, Shepard, uh, Ingram is our our, our number one uh, threat receiving. It's just it, it's just a matter of him staying healthy. And I know there's been like whispers that you know people within the the organization don't think he can stay healthy, and they've been like fielding like trade Correct. offers and stuff like that. Um, but I think they still got to go into this year with him and, and see what happens. If he, if if we get like the same story again this year where he's hurt again, and only playing, only plays five or six games, whatever, then okay, I see maybe looking to move him or looking for uh, someone else in that position. But for now, he is he is their top receiving threat. Like his, Brown said, his speed, his athleticism, um, he's got he's got to have a big year for them. He's got to have a big year for for Daniel to be good and. Um, you know, for for their offense to be good as a whole. Yeah, I think if we um if we have a like a down year, I would definitely look to trade him just for like draft capital. But other than that, like if we have a solid year, I'd say we just keep him. He's still young. He's still you know, uh, it's just the injuries that's it. But that's with every player too. Luke, you want to touch this one because I know you're a little feisty about this subject. Oh yeah, I'll touch this. One. <laughs> uh, I think I think Evan Ingram's done. Uh, I think that you know. Between him, David Njoku, and O.J. Howard, they all probably had some of the best potentials to be some of the best wide receivers in the league at this point. Uh, whether it's being able to stay on the field or just being able to produce win on the field, I think it's starting to really show that these guys aren't what they were hyped up to be. I think Evan Ingram doesn't have much time left in the league with all of his injuries. I think it's starting to take a toll on him. He hasn't. He didn't. He only started six games last season and the season before that eight I think Caden Smith last year proved that he is by far uh, a really good option in the pass game and if he's 22 playing on a rookie deal uh, Evan Ingram's gonna be looking to get paid after his fifth year option you know if I'm if I'm the Giants I'm starting to think well you know we've got this kid right behind him who popped off in the six games he got to play in last year 
is it worth paying him? And I, I totally agree. I think Evan Ingram's done. I think he's gone. He might produce on another team if he can stay healthy. Who knows? There's always value at the tight end position. But I don't think Evan Ingram is it. I think he's done. And it just sucks. He had potential, but it is what it is. And the difference, but I, I will say the difference between him, Howard, and the joke is that Ingram, when, when he is on the field, he has produced at a high level. I remember his rookie, sure. he was he was a top five tight end in fantasy, I think, throughout most of the year. That sounds accurate, um, yeah. And, I mean, last year he only played in a couple of games, but when he was on the field, he, he performed. Um, so, that's I mean, what, so, that's, so that's why I don't think you, you can give up, give up on him yet or think to, think to move him yet. My fear um, is this, that at the end of the day, we've seen a situation like this before with a very similar level of talent and a guy like Jordan Reed. Um, who was extremely talented, and I think you guys all know the story. I don't need to extend it over. Um, but, you know, it's talent, all, all the talent in the world doesn't matter if you can't stay on the field. I agree. Yep, that's true. I mean, I kind of use the Evan Ingram situation, and I, I'm going to incorporate some of my Canadian hockey knowledge on Dahlia, eh? <laughs> so um, how I kind of view this is, like, Evan Ingram definitely on the field, one of the best tight ends in the game. But in hockey, there was a guy named Eric Lindros who played for the Flyers. He was probably one of the best guys to ever touch ice, but he just couldn't stay healthy. His career ended early because of all the injuries. So it's tough to say, is this guy one of the greats of all time or in Evan Ingram's case, one of the best tight ends in the league when he just can't stay on the field? You can say the talent's there. He's proven the talent's there, but... I could have all the talent in the world, but if I don't have the ability to execute it, it's worthless. Yeah. I mean, I think those are all good points for the next bit. Um, this is an interesting question because you did mention uh, how Ingram might be the wide receiver one on your team when healthy. Do you guys view Darius Slayton as a potential wide receiver one this year for the Giants? Brad, you want to go first? Yeah, I mean, I think Darius Slayton um, – he was that. That was a great pick by Gettleman. Number yes, one. it was. He, that was a phenomenal pick by Gettleman. I know a lot of people roast Gettleman, but he does have a lot of sleeper picks. But um, yeah, I like Slayton. He's the tallest out of all of them. Like we have short receivers. I know Golden Tate's like five ten, five eleven. Shepard's like a slot receiver. He's not really like an outside receiver. So hopefully Slayton um, can fill in that number one role. Uh, he's. I know he's like six one, six two around there, but. Uh, He's he's good. He's good down the field. Uh, Jones loves throwing on the ball, so we'll see what happens. But I, I definitely think Slayton's really good. I know Kyle, you're obsessed with him. Uh, I know you're trying to buy him in every dynasty. So yeah, I am uh, a big fan of him. But I'd love to hear Fowler's take before I say anything. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so like I said before, with the rookies and showing flashes, I mean that's pretty much what he did consistently throughout throughout the year last year, right? He he showed flashes week in and week out that he could be um, a threat down the field and and, and it could you know, potentially be a, a number one on, on a team in the future. Uh, it's a positive that him and him and Jones seem to have a, a good connection already. And being in the fact that they came into the league together only helps that. Um, but it's going to be a wait and see game, right? I think, you know, two, two, three years, we'll, we'll really know if he can be the number one guy or if they have to look to, you know, in the draft or elsewhere to, to find that number one guy. But I think just like as a whole also, I think, it's just a, it's like a solid group of receivers, right? Him, Ingram, Tate, Shepard, like they're all they're all reliable, dependable guys. It's just you know can, can one of them separate themselves as that as that lead guy? 
Yeah, I think personally it's going to be Slayton. I'm a big fan of the guy, as Brown said. Um, first of all, he's a touchdown machine. He's got those hops. He's got that big frame um, that you kind of look for in a wide receiver one. It'll be interesting to see how he's utilized this year because I agree. I think guys like Tate and Shepard belong either at seconds or in slot. Um, and then Ingram obviously can be a nice uh, kind of like a tight end two situation where he runs, you know, sl- all his other crazy routes, you know, right next to Darius Slayton. It's definitely going to be an interesting situation. You definitely have a lot of injury concerns on that offense. I mean, Shepard had so many concussions last season that it's not something to be ignored uh, when you look at guys like Luke Keekley and other players who've been out so fast. Yeah, 100%. No, it's definitely a concern. I mean, b- between you know, Ingram's injury concerns, Shepard's concussions, um, you know, Saquon getting hurt last year, the, there's definitely injury concerns across the board. But, um, you know, hope, hopefully we have a better year this year when it, when, it, when it comes to them. They can all just sync up and, and be on the same page. Yeah, I think the Giants are just going to be a, like – they're just like a very mysterious team because, you like, they're so young. It's like you don't know what's going to happen. Like, they could be boom or bust. Like – Slayton, um, even their whole defense, everyone's just so young. You know, you never know what's going to happen with them. But I think this is going to be a huge year to see, like, which direction we're heading towards. Either it's good or bad. But, um, yeah, we have an extremely young team. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Luke, any comments before we move on to the next question? Yeah, I think Darius Slayton's a good ball player. I, I don't think he'll ever be a wide receiver one. And I think if they roll him out like a wide receiver one against some of the best corners in the league, it could hinder his development as a player. I view Slayton as a very solid wide receiver too. And I believe that if, and I know, and I crapped on him earlier in the episode, but if for some reason Golden Tate just comes back to form for some unknown reason next year. Like he doesn't get caught taking steroids and he keeps taking them and he's all juiced up. Um, I do think that Slayton would be probably one of the most valuable wide receiver twos on the market. But if they start rolling mode as a wide receiver one, I think his a, ability to produce on the field and in your fantasy rosters completely gets uh, halted. And I think it's important to recognize that there was a reason he was a late round pick. And he still has much growth to do before he develops into what he has shown he could potentially be. Yeah, I think that's a good take as well uh, for our next question. And I don't know how you guys are going to feel about this, especially when we've seen how sometimes it goes when paying running backs. Uh, Giants are probably going to have to pay Barkley next offseason. Yes or no? Yeah, they shouldn't even... That shouldn't even be a question. Like, there, there shouldn't be a doubt. There shouldn't be a doubt in anybody's <laughs> yeah, mind. I mean, you yeah, take, yeah, of you course. Take, Please continue. You take, you take the guy, you know, number two overall, and I mean, he, he does it all. He, he good runner, can, good blocker, good receiver. Like he, he does everything for us. I mean, full package. Let's say the whole, the, like, whole he, the whole package. Yeah, he, yeah he's, he's a once in a generation player. The, he's, the he's first guy never tackles him. He always makes a mess. Like, he's yeah. And look, he's gonna, it's obviously going to cost a ton of money. He's going to pick up a, a good chunk of our cap, but we invested a lot in him. So, uh, you know, su- assuming he the, the injury that he had this year, I mean, he, he, the guy had over a thousand yards this year. His ankle was like not right for fourteen of the games or whatever. Like, yeah, you know, he only missed three somehow. It's pretty incredible. Yeah. He, was, he was supposed to miss eight weeks. He came back after like what the third, fourth week. Well, yeah, and he was seriously good down the stretch last season. Um, yeah, like he had like he, he had like. 
he had like over 200 yards I think, in that in that Washington game or one of the games at the end of the year. He just went off for over 200 yards. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's tough but, because you don't want to pay a running back, especially if they're so, like... Well, yeah, and that's nowadays. that's more so what I went, meant about the question. I know you guys laughed at it, but, Let's I mean, look what happened with... I know, oh, look what happened with Gurley. When they paid Gurley, he was the best running back in the league. Was he not? No, yeah, no. Kyle, I hear you 100%. Like, I, it's 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 that position. It's just... Um, you, you, when you when you take the number two overall pick and, and he produces at a high level after you pick him, you kind of don't have... Kind of have a choice, right? It's just it would look awful if they didn't pay him. Yeah, right. It's kind of like Nate Solder. Like, even though he sucks, you kind of have to play him <laughs> because you paid him all that money. Like Nate Solder's got... a whole a whole different story. Uh, yeah, he's he's awful. But yeah, at least Barkley's a good look player. Look at all the money that look at all the money that we gave him. He was like the highest paid left tackle in the league. It's like I think he, you should honestly cut him, but we gave him so much money, but. I know. Well, listen, winning comes with a price, and like you know, it's, you got to pay Saquon. He's a once-in-a-generation player. He's a physical specimen. The guy is the full package. He's he's like Christian McCaffrey. I don't know if he's better, but like I, I, you know, if you give him a better offensive line, I'm I'm sure he'd put up like the same numbers, if not better. Now you bring up Christian McCaffrey. I got a question for you. You get to pick in your fantasy draft, Christian McCaffrey or Barkley. Who are you taking with the first overall year, pick? I'm taking, I would take Barkley. I don't hate that take. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's weird because I always feel like also in fantasy, the, the guy who was the leading rusher the year prior is never the leading yeah, rusher. It changes. Like, is never the best running back again. It always <laughs> changes. I would probably take I would probably take McCaffrey, but I mean yeah, it's a, it's kind of a coin flip. Well, I don't either. I don't really believe in Teddy Bridgewater. I think he's a little overrated just because he was on a good team and like a good system with the Saints. I think the Giants upgraded their offensive line, which helps out Saquon and. Uh, 100%. Well, the thing is, the one thing I'll say as far as the Carolina situation goes, even if Teddy isn't good, it's not like he changes CMC's situation that much. He had shit thrown to him last season. He still went buck wild, but I definitely see your point. I already said earlier on the show, I think Barkley's the number one running back this season. Yeah, I agree. He's he's waiting for a breakout season. He, I mean, his first season, he had like, what, like 70, 80 catches? And then yeah. he, he rushed for um, – 1,300 yards? Yeah, 1,300 yards. The guy does everything. You know what I'm saying? No, yeah, I, I completely agree. Luke, do you want to say anything on the pay and the running backs before we move on? I, I, um, I'm I, a firm believer on you don't pay running backs because they are the most expendable uh, position in football. I can, you can, there are, in every draft, there's going to be at least two guys that at one point in their career rush for 1,000 yards. It's just inevitable that it's going to happen. Uh, I mean, there are guys who you take huge whiff off, huge whiffs on in drafts, but my opinion is, is like Ezekiel Elliott making ninety million dollars over the course of his next contract doesn't make sense to me. I feel like because it's such a um, changeable position in today's uh, modern game, you don't need to pay those guys. Like you could even look at a guy like Chris Carson who ran for twelve hundred yards last year on my Seahawks. You would you would say that well if he repeats the same production again next year he should get paid. Well, in my opinion, I wouldn't pay him. He can't catch the ball. He can't hold on to a. He has fumble issues. But the most important thing is that well, crap. I bet we could draft another running back. Well, we got him in the sixth round. I bet we could draft one in an earlier round who does even better than him. I no, I agree. It's like I I'm not a big fan of paying running backs, but Saquon's just cut from a different cloth. Like he's just like a different breed, you know, and he's, he's good off the field too. You see Elliot, he's, 
always has like these off the field issues and whatnot. Saquon is very classy. I like him. I wouldn't mind paying him. And um, you know, we'll see what happens. But like then, before winning, all- winning comes with a price, you know. Yeah, and it's also like how much they invested in him, right? Like if they took him in like the fourth yeah. round, like it would be maybe a different story. But they took him with the, with the second overall pick. So yeah, they're all fair points. I think good. when it comes to guys like Barkley, CMC, there's an upper echelon of running backs that you should pay. In my opinion, Barkley probably makes that list. I know we have a few questions here we want to tackle, and we only have about like five to eight minutes left. Um, you guys want to talk about DeAndre Baker? <laughs> uh, I don't. I honestly don't think there's much to talk about with that situation. Like, I think. I think I sent I sent Brown like a, a scissor emoji as soon as that. that yeah. I, I thought he was going to get cut like right away. Well, I mentioned um, earlier but, on the show. I mean, the only reason why he's not cut is draft capital, right? Well, yeah, they invested. I mean, they traded up to get him right into the the back back of the first round last year. I think they gave up two or three late picks to, to trade up to get him. He was the first um, corner. Take so, yeah, I mean, so yeah. If this guy, if this guy was, you know, a seventh rounder or like, yeah, you he'd know, be cut. someone lower on the depth chart, he'd be cut. But they're they're just gonna wait and see what the legal system says and go from yeah, there. Yeah, it's sad because he was such a young player. We traded up to get him in the first round. He was the first corner taken in that draft, and like he, you know, at Georgia, he's like, I think I was reading something that he only gave up like one receiving touchdown. His at like his whole career at Georgia, he's never gave over like. 100 yards to uh, gave up 100 yards to a receiver and he just had crazy stats and like you know he was obviously he was he didn't really know the playbook and he didn't really play well his first he got his ass roasted year one first half of the season was awful and then the second half he kind of turned it around so i mean we'll see what happens but you know it's a shame because we drafted him so high and he's so young but you know that's what happens you know when you you know going to a barbecue and holding people up with a gun i mean <laughs> yeah, nobody wins in that situation huh? <laughs> why i don't get why people do stuff like that it's like you're you're an nfl player your life is set like oh luke luke will bitch about that i'm sure all right luke <laughs> yeah. what, dbs i, I, fucking, I fucking hate them i think they're the most prima donna position in all of football i mean the most prima donna no it's got to be dbs like look you got odell beckham jr huge diva he wouldn't be reacting that way if it wasn't for Josh Norman antagonizing him. I think that DBs are the biggest prima donnas in football. You don't like you could okay, you can say Julio Jones arguably is the best wide receiver in football today. But you never hear Julio Jones say, I'm the best wide receiver in football today. Every single corner, they have one good season. Jalen Ramsey, I'm the best corner in football. You know, or it's Richard Sherman. I, I'm the best corner in football. Don't put a sorry receiver on Crabtree like me. They're just huge prima donnas. And it sucks because corner is one of the hardest positions to draft and to scout because you just it, sometimes it just does not replicate into the NFL. But man, those guys are the type of people who need handlers constantly. Some sort of PR representative, because God damn, these guys should not be allowed to picture <laughs> themselves. Yeah, no, the the cornerbacks are definitely you know crazy, but um, no, that was a good that was a good point of that. You know, you don't you know whenever someone thinks you know they are the best corner, they do come out and say you don't hear Julio Jones coming out saying that stuff. So. Well, I think the position, you kind of need that attitude. I know we're running short on time here, um, so I hate to cut off this conversation, but I just wanted to ask one more question before we wrapped up. Um, This year's draft class, thoughts and favorite player? 
for your team specifically? So, I mean, obviously, Xavier McKinney was was someone that everyone's like really excited about, right? Um, You know, getting him, getting him in the second round when when a lot of people had a first round grade Mm -hmm. on him. I think what's great about him is that you could kind of play him all over the field. You could play him at safety. You could line him up in the slot, a corner, um, or put him in the box and stop the run. Like, I I know a lot of fans wanted us to pick Isaiah Simmons because he could play all over the field. Um, but Xavier McKinney can, can do a lot of that as well. Um, so, so excited about him. And then I'm also excited about uh, Matt Pert. Yeah. Picking the third round at UConn. Yeah. I think the Giants' dream is to have – I mean, he's more of a developmental player. He probably won't start right away. It might take you know a, a year or two. But I think the Giants' dream is for him to be their starting right tackle of the future and Andrew Thomas to be their starting left tackle of the future. Um, so definitely really excited to see how, how they develop Pert in the future. Yeah, I like Pert, and I like Andrew Thomas. The thing is, going into the season, uh, Andrew Thomas was like the number one left tackle in, in all of college. And then, you know, as the combine came around, everyone had these crazy, you know, Mekhi Becton ran like a crazy 40-yard dash, and um, all, these, all these guys, you know, 40 times and, and whatnot were off the charts. And that's what why like Andrew Thomas kind of felt, but I think he's like the safest tackle in the draft, and I think that's going to help out our whole team because you got to build you you got to build your foundation from your offensive line, and you know that helps out Daniel Jones, it helps out Saquon. Um, so I mean, I do I did like the draft, and uh, McK- Xavier McKinney definitely going to be an upgrade. I think we had like Julian Love, he was like a corner, and then we we're going to put him at uh, free safety, and then. Uh, but he definitely that was a steal, you know. McKinney fell, so I'm glad we got him. Yeah, I'm just I'm ex- I'm just excited to see how how, how Joe Judge comes in and, and develops. Yeah, I, li- I like Judge a lot, and I think um, he because he has connections with Saban because he used to be the special teams coach, I think, for Alabama. So they definitely got in touch with each other, and uh, Saban definitely said you know some good things about McKinney. That's probably why I picked him. Yeah, and because we need we 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 need a free safety. Yeah, I'm not surprised. I mean, they they had a very safe draft. I think I mentioned that before on the pod. I love McKinney. I think him and Jabril are going to form a really nice combo in that backfield at safety for sure. Uh, Luke, you want to say anything on this before we wrap up here? Um, I was impartial to the Giants draft. I think it. I think the Giants have been freaking terrible at drafting. Um, at drafting offensive linemen in the past, Eric Flowers. Well, that, wasn't good. that wasn't Gettleman. Uh, but that I, was... no, I know it wasn't Gettleman. But even he, uh, yeah, but they Holder, didn't draft him. They pay, know, overpaid for him in free agency. No, but they signed. They overpaid for him. But that's that's my thing. Is I don't think anybody there's really yet to grasp the offensive lineman position yet. So it'd be interesting to see how they kind of come in and view these two guys that they drafted. I think the McKinney pick was the best value pick in the draft. Uh, maybe just beside Jonathan Taylor. Uh, I love, I love kind of what they're forming with the team, which is just keep it as young as possible and productive as possible. They only have a couple of veterans scattered around the roster, which I think is perfect. I think bringing in Blake Martinez in free agency was a great he's decision. Awful. He's awful uh, I think over like he's like, Terrible in man coverage. That's why you got a guy like Ryan Connolly, who looked like he was going to be incredible before he tore his ACL. Yeah. 
So, I mean, if you've got Ryan Connolly playing the – because they run a 3-4 base for the most part, right? So, if you've got um, I don't Connolly know if they, on – They have a new defensive coordinator, so I don't know what they're going to do. Um, but, yeah, last year they did have a 3-4. Yeah, guys, I hate to cut off the conversation, but we're about to hit our 30-minute marker. I'm sure we could have you guys on in the future, though, for another episode when we talk about the Giants. Dylan, Brown, I'm sorry to cut off the combo, but thanks for coming on, guys. It was, it was yeah, thanks honor. for having us. Thank happy you. to co- happy to come on anytime. Yeah, thank you guys. Yeah, 100%. Yep, thanks guys for coming on, and make sure you guys stick around for some closing thank remarks. All right, thank you to Brown and Fowler for coming on to talk about uh, the Giants. It was nice to have some guys on. Uh, you know, completely new. Uh, Completely new uh, experience having uh, four people on the podcast at once, but it didn't get too didn't get too chaotic. Uh, maybe rambled on a bit, but you know, still I uh, still had a lot of fun doing it. Kyle, yeah, I think it was a good experience overall. I know they had a lot of fun with it. They love talking about their Giants. Uh, future's bright in New York if they can just figure it out, and if Judge is the real deal at coach, um, we'll see what happens. I guess. Yeah, I mean, Frick Judge was an interesting. Uh, bring in to uh be your head coach but uh we'll see what happens you know and they got jason garrett at offense coordinator it's an interesting organization that they're putting together interesting young core and uh i think they've got a lot of potential thank you guys for tuning in and listening make sure to follow us on all of our social medias at dynasty pods i'm luke that's kyle and thanks guys for listening make sure to tune in next time